be a tourist, not a tour guide. You don't know somebody else's body. Even if you've been with them for 40 years, you don't know their body on that day. And when you go to a country, right, it's not just a matter of asking questions. It's the light in your eyes. It's like, Mm. wow, what did you guys eat here? What's so interesting? Like the roads are painted red. Tell me more about that. So be interested in your partner's body. Be interested, light up with excitement, want to try everything because you just got to this country. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Welcome, everyone, to the Mind Valley podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about dating and sex with Sean Budram. She's the internet's most sought after certified sex educator dating coach, and relationship expert. She gives advice on everything from masturbation to how to get out of the friend zone to the best way to communicate with your partner about your sexual desires. It's a wide area of stuff. And I was just following her on Instagram and her Instagram feed is so awesome. I strongly recommend you check it out. Sean grew up in Toronto, Canada in a strict Catholic household. She was always told to abstain from sex physically and verbally. So the topic of sex was forbidden Exploring it was even more forbidden. So this meant reading novels, watching pornography to get an idea of what sex was. But today she has more than 600 subscribers on YouTube, 400,000 followers on Instagram and sold out virtual classes. Her YouTube channel has 67 million views and she is the best-selling author of The Game of Desire and most recently hosted and produced Quibi's daily TV show, Sexology with Sean Budram before Quibi was canceled. Her new TV show, X-Rated, is co-hosted with Andy Cohen and will premiere on Peacock during summer 2021. So, Sean, thank you so much for being here on the Mind Valley podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That was by far the best introduction anyone has prepared before. There's a little bit of freestyling in there. I completely appreciate that. You made it your own. Everybody tells me that. I'm really proud of my introduction skills, you know. As you should be. When they're that great, you need the compliments afterwards. So I'm going to give you a five-star Yelp review. (laughs) So sex is such a broad topic. And the Mind Valley community has been so turned on by this topic over the past couple of days. We just had Sheila Kelly from Netflix, Strip Down, Rise Up, teach us pole dancing. We just had Bibi Brzozowska do a class recently on sexual intimacy. And the reason for that is because of all the topics that we cover on Mind Valley, the one topic that is up 200% year on year is relationships and sex. I know a lot of people are going to be very interested in this conversation. Also, you should know Mind Valley is about 65 to 70% of female audience. And most of the people tuning in right now happen to be women. But of course, if you're male, you're welcome too. Now, Sean, there's so many different questions I could ask you, but I'd love to start with the book, The Game of Desire. Because the book is called The Game of Desire, Five Surprising Secrets to Dating with Dominance and Getting What You Want. Tell us about this book. Yes, I think what you said about your audience being so aroused and tuned into this topic perfectly exemplifies why I even began my career in the start. Is that there's this bizarre notion that 
in life, if you want to excel at something, you need to study, you have to practice, you need the help of mentors, you need scaffolding, you need to be exposed to a wide variety of information and decide where within that is your niche, where your skill set is. And But when it comes to dating, love, sex, and intimacy, it's the complete opposite. People have the notion that the less that you study, the better that you are. For example, somebody who needs to go to therapy, well, obviously something is wrong with them. Somebody you see reading a book on the subway, obviously they're not a good lover and they need the extra help. Whereas right. everybody else, we walk outside, we just find our person. We have a sexual partner and we just have chemistry with them. And it's so counterintuitive because you would never apply that advice to anywhere else. If someone came to you and said, I want to excel at podcasting, the last thing that you would say to them is just be yourself and don't think about it. And yet that's the advice that we get constantly in this space. And so in 2009, I wrote my first book, which is called Laid. And that essentially was, hey, I didn't just figure out the sex thing by myself. And when I did just leave it to my own devices and just figuring it out and just chemistry and connection, I had really terrible experiences. I didn't have orgasms. I didn't feel intimate. I didn't feel close to myself. There's got to be another way. And so I sought out to write a book that really capsulated, if you feel disconnected from your sexual experiences, what should you do? And number one, but number two, and most importantly, you're not alone. So then 10 years later in 2019, when did the game of desire, it essentially was the same thing, but for the dating space, for people who feel like I'm not just finding my person out there. And you know what? I've been taking everybody's advice. I haven't been stressing about it. I've just been going out. I've just been being myself. And that has not yielded the results that I'm looking for. What should I do next? I am the princess who's waiting in the tower, but I've been waiting now for five more years and I wanted to be what next. And so I wanted to give people specifically women a strategy not a concept, not a philosophy, but five concrete steps in terms of what you should do if you want to drastically improve your chances of finding your person, but moreover of being the kind of person who attracts quality people. I love that. I love that. So while many books tell women why they can't get a date, according to your Amazon biography of this book, you teach people the skills and techniques necessary to take charge in today's competitive and often confusing dating scene. And yes, the dating scene right now is big, it's competitive, it's about to blow up again because people are coming out of lockdown. What would be your advice for people who are struggling with this dating scene? If you're struggling with the dating scene, I would say find a new scene. You know, there's no one size catch all. This isn't fashion where it's like everyone's wearing camo this summer. There are so many different subcultures within there. And if you're talking about the Tinder scene or the bar scene, if that's not your vibe, then plug into something else. You have to start being a lot more intentional. For example, if you're looking for a job and the kind of job that you're looking for isn't on monster.com or at the local job fair, then you would think to yourself, well, where is my particular vocation? Where are are they hiring people? And you would get strategic about it. The same thing applies to dating. One of the advice that I gave in the book is that once you know who you're looking for, because you know yourself, you know what qualities are going to best be compatible with you, because finding the right person is just as much about finding somebody who brings out the best in you as it is finding the best person. So once you've done all that work and figured out, okay, who exactly am I looking for? If you look at that profile, it's likely going to point to some a kind of person. You know, somebody who is loyal, who likes to travel, who has the freedom to travel, who has that time during the summer, somebody who's great with kids and somebody who has a passion for education. 
I've just described a teacher. So perhaps what I would do is drive to a teacher's conference, park outside, put my Tinder on zero miles, and then just swipe there. Now my chances of meeting, you know, a teacher, an esteemed teacher would be higher. You know, the same thing for if I wanted to meet a firefighter, I might drive over there. So I think that there's things that you can do to be a lot more intentional. Of course. I did not know you could do that. Oh, absolutely. Target teachers at teachers conventions. That is hilarious. An easier way to do that would be to find out where they go after work. Like if I wanted to meet an engineer, I'd find out where the bars are within the the firms there and then start frequenting those bars. So that's another easier way to do it. Wow. But doesn't that just make you creepy? Especially if you're a guy. I mean, a guy is sitting out in his car outside a teacher convention trying to find hot teachers on Tinder. Isn't that kind of weird? That's why I said a teacher convention and not a school. So there is definitely a factor to it. But the magic of how you met somebody, how I met my husband, the behind the scenes of that isn't pretty. That's not the story that we tell at parties. The story we tell at Uh parties is that, oh, we just met on Instagram. Truth of the matter is, is I saw him at a party. I was like really intentional, but like, wow, I really like want to meet this guy. I found somebody who was around him followed that person and then scrolled to that person's Instagram timeline, found a picture with him and my husband. And then for a year, just liked his pictures passively and then waited for his birthday, sent him a long message. And then he was like, oh, I've never met you before. Hi. And so in his mind, the first time we met is a day I DM'd him on his birthday. But the truth is there was a year of stalking before that, or I would like to say circling. I was circling, you know, for a year. So I think that there's something okay about being intentional. And also it's a way of gathering more information to ensure that is somebody that you even want to pursue to begin with. So I would say worry less about having the cool cocktail story party and more about finding your person. Is that a strategy you recommend? Reaching out to people via Instagram? It's about knowing yourself, knowing where you shine. If you've got an interesting Instagram, as you mentioned, I do. For me, reaching out via Instagram is an easy one because my profile, there's a lot to talk about and draw upon. If you're not very active on Instagram, then doing that probably isn't your best bet. I would go with wherever you do have the place that people might go back to and say, wow, this person's fascinating. I want to have a conversation more with them. So I just also wanted to steer people away from the idea that there's concepts that you can grab onto, but in terms of concrete one-size-fits-all tips, like stop looking for those. Yeah. You know what? I can say everyone I've dated pretty much reached out to me directly on Instagram. They were women who just reached out to me and said, Hey, I find you really interesting. If you likewise find me interesting, would you like to grab a cup of coffee? And I thought it was just such a cool, refreshing way of approaching someone. And is that their exact line? I just find you really interesting. If you find me interesting. I'm paraphrasing, right? I cannot remember the exact line. I can't remember the exact line, but the beauty of Instagram is that it's not about the lines. People are real. On Instagram, you can see through someone's profile, you get a sense of, for example, from my profile, it's very apparent that I'm a father with two kids, with a teenage son, that I'm an entrepreneur. It's real. So if you're a woman and you don't want to date a man who has kids, you already know I'm not your type of person. And so I like the realness of Instagram. What's amazing about that, someone said in the comments, obviously it works for you. And then now people have a a technique to go to approach you. But I also love your story because it's indicative of the fact that people are approaching you. Yeah. Yeah. It's indicative of the fact that women today feel more empowered to approach men. It's not the 1970s, 80s, 90s, when men felt that they had to make the first move. I love that you said that. And that is a huge piece of advice that I gave in the game of desire that we have been socialized to believe that 
arguably one of the biggest parts of our life that can determine your legacy in many ways. And then of course, also like your quality of life, we're told just to be in the passenger seat waiting for someone else to take control. How bizarre is that? Like, don't go out there and find the best job for you. Just sit there, look pretty, smile, and hope that the right one walks over. In something so important as, again, like finding your long-term intimate partner, you should be in the driver's seat. You should be the one who's being directive. I think that a lot of people misconstrue the advice of making the first move as walking up to somebody and putting your hand on their shoulder and say, hey, can I buy you a drink? It's not that. There's subtle ways. And like you just said, like someone can even just make mention of your profile and say something that's really poignant about your profile that you never even saw yourself. And then you're like, oh, who's this person? Let me go examine. And through that examination, a conversation begins. And it's not an overt first move, but definitely is the first move. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things I would love for women to know is that they shouldn't wait for the man to make the first move. I was married for 17 years. My ex-wife, who's still like a really dear friend, big part of mine, Valley. I think she made the first move on me because I was just too shy. And, and some men are like that. You can still be a quality male, but you can still be shy. And so yes. if my ex-wife hadn't made the first move on me, I don't think I would have had that wonderful marriage, had those two beautiful kids found at Mind Valley. I'm so grateful that in that particular moment, she was confident enough to go and make the first move. And I would encourage all women to not doubt themselves and to make that move. There are so many quality men I know who are just the most amazing guys, but they're just shy and they don't know. And they're afraid to be creepy. And I would encourage women out there to start being more bold about this. I love that you're giving that advice. And so in the game of desire, in addition to giving the strategies, I actually took all of the, in particular, the book isn't just how to do it. I showed you with six women who were getting the short end of the stick consistently. So it's half a story of the six months I spent with these women and then half like concrete tips for the readers. But Mm -hmm. I took them to all of my favorite experts. And one of them was a pickup artist. I learned a lot from pickup artistry. Obviously there's a dark side to that, that isn't as appealing, but I think the catch-all of pickup artistry essentially is, hey, there's a science to how to be attractive and how to attract the right people. So I took him to one pickup artist who said, women, I really need you to stop thinking that the person who approaches you is the person who likes you the most and thus the person who's probably most compatible with you. Picking up people and approaching people is kind of like riding a bike. Once you're in practice of doing it, it gets easier to do. And just because someone can ride a bike, it does not make them a great husband. And I think that was such a great aha moment for people because exactly what you said, it doesn't mean that it's not the quality guy. There's a lot of really incredible people who just don't have that skill set. And if you do, then go over there. And if you don't, then try to develop it. Because I think that when you're in a power position, that's always a place that you should try and aspire to be in. What about those of us who are worried about the way we look? Maybe we are a little bit overweight. In my case, I'm actually not a tall guy. Like I'm below average height. And I can sometimes be conscious about that. When I'm in a country like Amsterdam, every man is towering above me. And so I, even me, I feel slightly less than complete. And I bet everyone here watching has something about themselves. Maybe they're a little bit too gray. Maybe they're worried about that their hair is thinning. Maybe they're a little bit on the chubby side. How do we overcome those fears and those self-doubts? I mean, I think there's nothing you could do in this exact moment to transform your image. So the best thing you could possibly do is lean into your strengths, like simple tips that I utilize. We got on this call today and I was initially incredibly self-conscious because I was like, oh, this is video. I didn't know that. But Mm -hmm. I just put my hair in half up, half down. I feel cuter now. 
So there's a little things that you might be able to do in the moment. A small practice might be looking in the mirror every day and choosing the thing that you like before you allow your critical brain to kick in. That doesn't mean positive only. It just means positive first. But I think leading with and leaning into where you are right now is very important. But I also encourage people to acknowledge that, hey, not everybody is funny just like not everybody is tall and not everybody is good looking or to whatever the, the social standards are when we're yeah. talking. Cause obviously good looking in Amsterdam is very different from good looking in Toronto to good looking in the Cayman islands. And if you don't have the skills or I do say skills, but I think that beauty in many ways now is a lot more attainable than it was obviously 20 years ago. But if you don't have the means right now to try to fit into the beauty standard, guess what? There's so many other ways to be seductive. And we all see those people that were like, how did this person get with this person? Because that person leaned into their charisma. They leaned into their tease component. They leaned into their star quality characteristic that just made them so effortlessly interesting. They leaned into their intelligence. But my favorite way of seducing is to be what's known in the art of seduction as the ideal lover. And this is the number one tip I would give to anyone who is trying to date and mate. And I'm telling you from somebody who's spoken to at this point, hundreds of thousands of people about their dating experience, the best thing that you could do to stand out from the crowd is to ask someone else questions and remember the answers. That's intriguing. So let's go a little bit deeper on that. And I'm also curious about the subtitle of your book, the five secrets to dating with dominance. What do you mean by dating with dominance? And can you give us a little bit of what these five secrets might be? Yes. And so dominance is kind of what we're talking about before. It's really just dating in the driver's seat where you're not in the tower waiting. And when you're not in the passenger seat, hoping somebody else is going to drive your intimate fate to where you know you want to go. So getting into the driver's seat and saying, this is the direction of my life and furthermore of my love life. And I want to be at the wheel for that. It doesn't mean you can't share it back and forth, or it doesn't mean you can't be in the passenger seat when you find the right driver while giving them directions. But I think especially in the beginning, you do have to be in that driver's seat. And the five secrets, it's separated into five parts. And it's essentially what we discussed in the beginning vision of if you want mastery in any area, what the things you have to do. One, you've got to learn about that area. Two, you have to make changes to yourself based on what you learn to make yourself fit more in the line of what an expert in that space would look like. And then you have to be able to practice. And then you've got to be able to put yourself into situations where you can actually become that individual. And furthermore, the first step of anything is to concretely know yourself. And that's always the advice I think is easier said than done for people. Because a lot of people think that they know themselves because they know what they're astrology sign is, or they know what they would pick if they went to a restaurant, but you, do you intuitively understand what actually gets you upset and how to avoid those triggers? Do you intuitively understand what environments you thrive in and blossom? So you could put yourself in a position to be again, the best version of yourself. So the five secrets are really not that secret after all, they're just fleshed out in a way that I don't think. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous and there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way in every single day if you're successful in just one area of life you might just suck in another i've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles i've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money and that's totally fine it doesn't matter where you are life doesn't have to stay the same forever you're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master 
the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. That people really think about when they hear those words. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. The book sounds so, so, so intriguing. Thank you. So let's move from finding the right person to what we do once we get on that first date. What would be your advice on making an impression on getting a second date, assuming you like the person? I want you to chime in this one too, because I think that you probably have an idea of the person that you leave and you say, I want to see them again. And the person that you leave and say, that was good enough. That's enough. That suffices for me. I probably would say the number one tip, one, put yourself in an environment to be the best version of yourself. Two, and this is something that I really encourage people to do. If you know what questions you're going to be asked on a date, because it's the same thing over and over again, practice those questions. You should have compelling answers that put you again in a position of expertise that make you look fascinating. Like I have a formula for how I answer what I do for a living. I have a formula when somebody asks me like, what did you do during the pandemic? Like I've rehearsed that answer at this point. So that way I'm not dropping the ball when somebody passes it to me. So again, even in terms of choosing the right location for the date, if you know that you're more of an introvert and you really thrive in settings where you can hear and see and lean into somebody, having a first date at a busy bar or at a food truck area that's a lot of stuff going on is not your bet. You probably would better off saying, let's go to a museum, walk around. I'm more visual anyways. And those are the areas I know I can draw upon to be, again, the best version of myself. But lastly, I think that the number one tip is just curiosity. That's really, really, really cool. Now, People are asking, are we going to get on to sex enough about dating? So I know that a lot of people over here <laughs> may already be with a partner and you're done dating. You don't need to date right now, but you want to get to a little bit more of a spicy topic. And this is probably, Sean, because of the types of conversations you cover on your Instagram feed. So let's talk about sex. What would be some of your biggest tips to really be memorable in bed? Oh, what a great question. I think to be memorable in bed is to be authentic. And that's such a tall glass to order. And it seems like it's so obvious. But mm -hmm. if you find yourself making the same sounds all the time, if you find yourself in the same rotation of events, you're not truly responding to what's happening in the moment because each moment is unique. And so your response should be. The reason that I ended up with my husband at the time that I met him, I was actually looking just specifically for like a great sexual partner. And he was just... I remember he was like, he had his hands on my body and I looked at his face and he looked like a painter in that moment. He was just so deeply in tune with the moment. And I've never seen somebody respond so authentically, especially men where there's all this pressure to be macho in the bedroom and to be straight faced and to make certain grunts or not make certain grunts. Just to see somebody enjoying the moment and actually in the moment, I think like that is such a massive one. Two is to be a tourist, not a tour guide. You don't know somebody else's body. Even if you've been with them for 40 years, you don't know their body on that day. And when you go to a country, right, it's not just a matter of asking questions. It's the light in your eyes. 
It's like, mm. wow, what do you guys eat here? What's so interesting? Like the roads are painted red. Tell me more about that. So be interested in your partner's body. Be interested, light up with excitement, want to try everything because you just got to this country, but don't be the tour guide to somebody else's body and somebody else's pleasure. By the way, I, I love what you said about your husband. It's like, he was Michelangelo and your body was his canvas. Oh, yes. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Uh, it genuinely did. It, it did, really did feel that way. Actually, I wouldn't even know if I describe it that way because I didn't necessarily feel like he was performing on my body. I felt like he was listening and in tune and reacting to my body. And maybe that's how Michelangelo painted, where he allowed the canvas to really guide what he was going to do next. But there was no part of me that felt like he had an idea of how he wanted to touch me. It was like, I'm just so plugged into each nano movement that you're making and I'm making adjustments or just enjoying the experience of being present for that. So I think authenticity kind of feels like that. It doesn't feel like I know where you're going to go next. I love that. So let's continue. The third tip. Really easy one is mixing sensations. So if you do this on your hand, which I'm doing a circle for the podcast mm -hmm. listeners. So if I do a circle on my hand with my nail, that feels great. But then if I also bring my thumb onto my wrist and do that, it's a whole new sensation. So that could be done a million different ways. While you're giving oral for somebody, obviously, if you are mm -hmm. giving oral to a person with a penis, getting the entire genital region involved, like you've got an extra hand, do something with it. It could be if you're making love to somebody and again, like you're in a heterosexual relationship and you're penetrating them and there's an opportunity for you to massage their feet while you're doing that. Like if you think about spicing it up in the bedroom, it's not necessarily about going to Cancun and hiring somebody to come and join you as your third. It could just be using one of your hands to stimulate an area that doesn't usually get touched while something else is being stimulated. So mixing sensations is a really easy way to keep it authentic and fresh in the bedroom. That is such a powerful tip. Very, very, very true. Oh, thank you. I'm still doing this with my hands because it feels so it good. It feels so good. <laughs> I do this at the DMV sometimes. If ever I'm somewhere stressful and I feel myself just like the life force getting drained out of me, I always remind myself that like pleasure is just like a hand away. So you could just stroke yourself lightly and all of a sudden the lineup is not that arduous. I like that. Okay, so... so Are you going to share your tips though? You got to be a given lover. You can't just be a taker. What I would say is explore energy practices, Tantra, Kundalini, explore energy practices. One of the most interesting things that I started experiencing when I got deep in that was full body orgasms. And it's hard to explain what's really going on. Some people spiritually believe it's starting at your Kundalini, which is the sacral chakra going all the way to the top of your spine, but then being able to give that to a partner by being able to channel your energy into your partner, that has probably been one of the most remarkable things that I've started experimenting with. So I'm a deep believer in spiritual practices brought into the bedroom. Was that something you had to acquire and learn over time or was it something that you took an instruction it, from? It came from me. So I work with a lot of spiritual teachers. I work with a lot of spiritual trainers and a lot of spiritual teachers. And it started happening organically. It started happening organically when I was working with healers to open my own chakras. And soon I found that my body will start pulsating. It's called a Kundalini experience. My body would start pulsating when I'm in the presence of good energy. So not just sex, but I could be on shrooms, right? And my body just starts pulsating. I was once doing a peyote ceremony with an indigenous Native American Indian tribe. And for eight hours straight, my body was just shaking. And that happens to me 
when my energy is in alignment with other positive energy. So it happens if I'm with the right person. Their touch can make me orgasmic. That's phenomenal. And, and typically that's... women love that. They're like, oh my God, if I just touch your shoulder, you start <laughs> vibrating. That's so cool. But then it's being able to move that energy around and move it into the other person. Now, for those of you who are Mind Valley members, you can learn that. It is in our Tantra Touch program. It's part of your Mind Valley membership. So yes, so people are asking, is this available at Mind Valley? It is. Look into Tantra Touch by Sal Nisadora. It's fascinating because I'm reading the comments and a lot of people would like to vibrate your shoulder. So that's... <laughs> It's a very in-touch community here. I, I feel very yeah. grateful to be a part of it right now. So we were talking about we were talking about sex. Now people are asking in the comments, what about if you are single? Give us tips for self-pleasure. Oh, during the pandemic, over 50% of people tried something new sexually. I think the pandemic was tough for obvious reasons that we know. But I think the one bright spot is through this experience, people prioritize the quality of their intimate connections. And one of those intimate connections is the one that you have with yourself. In the world previously, we were just so preoccupied and stimulated and busy that we thought that what we wore was most important or what we did at our job or where we were going for lunch and all of these things that were like, this is what makes up my day. When those things are taken away, all of a sudden everybody realized that when all is said and done, the thing that we can rely on the most, again, is our intimate connections. And during this time, I've never been more activated as an expert because the work that we were doing became more meaningful, I think, for a lot of people. And then two, I think that a lot of people put the work in for themselves. So I would love to see that continue on. You know, If you are a single person, whatever you did during the pandemic to get to know yourself better, to enjoy your own company, to delight in your own pleasure during this time, please don't allow that to stop. If the culture that you live in right now is starting to open up once again, like continue on with those practices and feel out what feels best for you. But I think there's an a numerous incredible ways to have sex. Also during the pandemic, over 10% of people bought a sex toy specifically for during the pandemics or quarantining by themselves. And if you found one that works, then stick with it. If you didn't, there's so much more. And then also just, again, I think Vision, what you just said was a beautiful piece of advice because exploring your pleasure potential goes way beyond any cosmopolitan articles. Just know that there's more in store for you. Right, right. Now, on your Instagram page, you actually partner with and endorse several types of sex toys. Would you have recommendations for men and women? Sure. I think Tanga for, for people with penises is a great line of sex toys. Because Tanga, how do, you, how do you spell that? T-E-N-G-A. T-E-N-G-A. Tanga, masturbate better. It's tanga.co. What I love about Tanga is they're not embarrassing sex toys. There's so much stigma around mm -hmm. male pleasure exploration, even beyond sex toys, even just stimulating other parts of your body, experiencing other kinds of orgasm. It's like really penis only focused. And so I think that the problem with sex toys for men in the past is they're trying to mimic female body parts. I went right. to something called a love doll factory where they create those like life-size sex dolls. And they had something there called the vajankle where it's a foot that's chopped off at the ankle and you can insert a penis into it. And I think when people think of male sex toys, they think of things like that. And Tanga has these really beautiful geometric pieces that could honestly be on your coffee table. They're chic, they're stylish, they're not embarrassing. If somebody found that, you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, like just please like dig a hole so I can go underneath it right now. And I think that's really important. Like a man's sexuality is not embarrassing. It's not tacky. It doesn't have to be overt. It can be chic, it can be discreet, and it can be extremely effective. 
For mm. people with vulvas, I love Lelo, L-E-L-O. Great, Lelo.com, L-E-L-O.com. And they also have toys for people with penises. I just haven't explored that side of things yet. So I can't give a personal recommendation on them. I use Tanga toys on my husband at home. So I know that those work and I know that they're very much enjoyed. I think that the great thing with Lalo, actually have a partnership coming up with them, but we're doing seven days of orgasm. So we're doing orgasms through anal sex and A-spot orgasm and the squirting orgasm and G-spot and enhanced clitoral orgasm and blended orgasms. And they have a toy specifically designed for each unique thing. Because if you have a partner, they would have to have a specific move or a specific way of building up to achieve each individual kind of orgasm. And it isn't to say that this should be a goal-oriented thing for you. But again, when you want to explore your pleasure potential, making sure you have the best tools at hand to see how far you can go or how far you want to go. Beautiful. Now, what about toys? So most of these toys that you're describing would be for masturbation. Not always. I actually did a poll recently where I asked people with vulvas, how do you orgasm the most? What's your best orgasm? Is it clitoral? Is it just penetration? Is it a blend of both or is it something different? And the number one answer I got by far was the blend. It's a mix of some form of penetration along with some form of clitoral stimulation. And that tells me that a lot of people are probably looking for toys in the bedroom. It's also another stat that was really fascinating that said that 95% of women orgasm when they are masturbating. And around 65% of women who have sex with women orgasm during their first time with a new woman partner. But only 7% of women who have sex with men orgasm during the first experience. And that says that what you're doing during masturbation is not being transferred over into partnered play. So that isn't to say that toys should just be for individual and partner is just for that. I think that we could definitely increase that number if we combine those two things together. Oh, beautifully said. Beautifully said. You know, I got this comment on my Instagram. One of my followers asked me this. I'm curious to know how you would address it. She said, I want to buy a sex toy, but I feel guilty. Tell me, is this going to affect the growth of my spirituality? Well, I think that whatever you believe is true. And so if you believe that it will impact the growth of your spirituality, I would hold off on buying one right now and just spend this time doing research. See what other teachers or leaders that you look up to that have achieved the level of spirituality that you're looking for who also use toys. Of course, this is the thing. The toy market is blown wide open. There are toys that are made from crystals. There are, I think it's called shock rubs. It's either chakra rubs or shock rubs. And those are, are toys that are specifically designed to work with your spirituality. They're toys that you charge by the moonlight in order to get the best energy out of them before you put them against or close to your body. So I would say that define what you think of when you think of toys. It's not, again, this isn't 1950 where everybody has to buy the same green vibrator with right. pulsing veins. There's so many different options and there's people you can buy from that you can trust. So don't have to force yourself right now into it. Take some more time, do some more research. And when it feels right for you, it'll feel like a natural, beautiful extension again of your pleasure potential. Lelo looks amazing. It looks amazing. Their items are so beautiful. L-E-L-O.com. I'm going to go make a giant checkout purchase on Lelo right now. <laughs> and, and just advice to men. What are you buying, Vishen? The people want to know. There are a couple of things which I think are essential. And I actually think men should buy these to provide variety with foreplay on a woman. A wand, I think is essential. A cock ring, I think is something every man should own. I can't believe I'm talking about this publicly with you guys, but yes, those two, I think every guy should get those two items. So look for a really good vibrator. The one that you, it's a, it's a device that you put on your penis 
And it really helps. Kind of like turns your penis into a biological vibrator. And then a wand. Wands, I think, are very, very, very useful. And you can use them in many creative ways. They're actually, the New York Times did an article that rated sex toys. And the wand was found out to be the best sex toys for yeah. all bodies. Yeah. The one I recommend is Lulu. You can get them on Amazon. They are really, 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 uh, so not Lilo, Lulu, L-U-L-U. You can get them on Amazon. They're really, really, really popular. Thank you for the tip. I appreciate that. I love to learn too. I think it's the best part about my job is that the education never ends. There is always something to learn. People ask that all the time, like, I've been doing this now for 15 years. So they're like, what else is there to know? I was like, you would be surprised. I actually had never even heard of the brand Lulu before. So thank you very much. Teach me something new. I've also never heard of a shoulder orgasm before. So this is something I also have to look into. Well, to be fair, typically it's not my shoulder that they touch, but I was just trying to be polite. Okay. (laughs) So the next thing is, let's ask some audience questions. First one is from Macy from Cupertino. And she said, what is sex transmutation? And how can I, as a single woman, practice it? I do not know that term. So once again, I'm going to call on upon the community to say that that's something I'm not familiar with. So I'm not sure, but that's a great question. Okay. And Adrian asks an interesting question. Are you familiar with Catherine Woodward Thomas's book, Calling in the One? Yes. I love Catherine Woodward's book, Conscious Uncoupling. Calling in the one I'm familiar with, I just haven't read. Okay. Yeah. So Catherine's one of our teachers on Mind Valley. Her official conscious uncoupling program is on Mind Valley. The Calling in the One program is coming to Mind Valley. So it's basically the metaphysics of manifesting your soulmate, right? And so Adrian Charles is asking, can you compare and contrast your approach with calling in the one? If you're familiar with soulmate attraction, soulmate manifesting type approaches. I'm not familiar specifically with calling in the one. I haven't read that book. I literally just wrote a paper about conscious uncoupling. So if we went in that direction, I could definitely dive in Mm, with you, but I can't compare and contrast. I'm not familiar with that work um, to a T, sorry. Okay, now the next question is from Lydia. How do I tell a casual partner I'm not enjoying the sex. I really like the compliment sandwich or I love the yum versus yuck approach. So compliment sandwiches, you do this great. I love it. It's so awesome. This part right here doesn't necessarily work for me. Here's what would be better. Oh, and by the way, the way that you look me in the eyes when you're doing X, Y, and Z is awesome. I love yum versus yuck a little bit more than that one because so rather than me saying to you like, Yuck, you use way too much suction when you're going down on me. It's actually quite painful. I can say to that person like, yum, when you use your tongue to tease around and orbit around my hotspots, that's what really gets me off. And then using that again, like it's conditioned responses, right? So you only give a conditioned response, the positive feedback when someone does something that you like, but you have to verbally outline first what you do like. And through doing that, it might take a little bit longer, but I think the experience is so much more rich for everybody and you avoid that awkward conversation. But if you're with a partner that I always find that I've never actually directly told like my husband, for example, what I don't like, I'll use the yum technique and then eventually he picks up on it. And then months later, I'll be like, you know, you were terrible at that. And then it now becomes like a lighthearted joke between us. And he's like, oh yeah, like I, I can see how my technique has drastically changed over time, but Also, don't be afraid to weave into things that you like. You would be surprised how many people are open to bringing toys into the bedroom. You'd be surprised at how many people are open to inviting lube or inviting even video instruction. I think that using porn as a way to illustrate what you're looking for can be a really great usage of porn. Beautiful, beautiful answer. Now, the next question is by Kim Vanderhoek. 
do men get too intimidated by strong, confident women? If that's the man that you're around, don't have sex with him. If a man you find is getting too intimidated that he's trying to belittle you, you can sense that there's a one-upmanship happening there. They don't feel like they're curious about your success. They're jumping over top of what you're saying to try to say, well, look well, look what I've done. That is somebody that I would be interested in engaging with. And that kind of person probably would fare better with somebody where they don't feel threatened by your success. I think it's very easy to tell when somebody is excited by your greatness, who feels minimized around your greatness. Don't have sex with people who minimize your greatness. I completely agree. Like, I honestly think if you're a strong, confident woman and the man you're with feels threatened by that, you should never diminish your your strength or your confidence. I find it an attractive thing. In fact, I find that the opposite is harder to date. Insecure women are harder to date because everything becomes about them. There's a sense of neediness. Likewise, it's true for men as well. Like, insecure men are really hard to date. It's harder to be in a relationship with someone who is busy trying to patch their own holes. That when the male is confident, when the woman is confident, and it simply means you believe in yourself. And I think that is the the hallmark of a really great relationship. I mean, there's an incredible book that I love that's called The Psychology. It's the new psychology of love. And there's a chapter in there that's just about communal responsiveness. And essentially, it was saying that somebody who is insecure or anxiously attached cannot possibly be a good communal lover because they're always so preoccupied with how their own needs are not being met, that they're not even paying attention to where they could be picking up to be more communal to their partner. So there's a lot of science behind what you just said, but don't get me wrong. Everybody deserves love. And that's why there's a match for everybody. I always get so baffled when people are like, why on earth would people date this kind of person? Or, you know, why do people who are on OnlyFans get so much attention. Who would want that kind of partner? Who cares? There's somebody for everybody. There's different matchups that work. Just find what yours is and lean into that. Yeah. I think the best advice I've heard for people who are single and looking for love is stop wanting it, stop demanding it. And I think the most important thing is to focus on growing yourself. Well, the first thing you got to understand is if you're really desperately looking for love, it means that somewhere the energy of love is missing in your life, but you can channel that through self-love and you can invest in growing yourself. If you are at this level, okay, and your potential is really here, but you're at this level and you decide that you want to spend all your time trying to find the right person in the dating scene, you're going to attract someone at that level. But if you're committed to personal growth, you're going to be growing. And I'd rather, my advice to people is focus on your own growth so you attract someone at that level. You will attract someone at your own level. And the best way is to not get obsessed with attracting the person, but to focus on elevating yourself. So the quality of who you attract is going to get higher and higher. So I think personal growth, your personal growth has to be number one. I agree with that, but I'm going to give you a devil's advocate response that Esther Perel said that I thought was a really great thought starter. Mm-hmm. But you know, in reciprocal determinism, that essentially means that who I am is going to be determined by who you are around me. So we're doing all this work on self, but self is a mutating concept, is an evolving concept. So I'm really not going to know who I'm going to become in partnership until I'm actually in partnership. And it's through that growth, through that partnership that we grow a lot. The brain is a social organ, which means that like we feed and we thrive and we expand the most when we're around expansive individuals. I've worked with several people before who mm-hmm. on their nightstand, it's like, how to love myself, how to masturbate by myself, how to enjoy myself alone at a party. And then you're like, they they wonder why the partnership element isn't clicking for them because you do also have to learn how to be somebody who knows how to take that and apply it to a social situation and no better way to learn than being in partnership. I think, I think you're absolutely correct. 
I'm not saying that you should avoid looking for someone. I'm simply saying you shouldn't make that the dominant thing. Like you need to date, you need to get on Tinder, you need to find the right person. If you're focused on growing yourself, I always believe in Sri Kumar Rao's advice. Your number one thing should be your personal growth. Everything else is secondary. Your relationship, your business, even your kids, secondary. Because as much as you grow, your ability to create love and light and elegance and all of those other things will grow with you. So that was really what I was saying. I think we're really saying the same thing. I love saying the same thing. <laughs> so Sean, in our, in our final closing five minutes, what would be some of your closing advice for everyone here? I mean, you're here, so you probably don't need my advice as much as you need to find ways to spread the word and encourage other people to do what you've already done. You've decided that this part of your life deserves your intellectual energy, deserves your time. You've decided that this part of your life needs education. And on top of that, community, other people to bounce ideas off of. You are the person that I am trying to get everybody else to become. And I think that if we continue to expand outward, bring these conversations into our group chats, bring them onto dates, like creating this culture of learning about love, I think is such a beautiful thing. And the fact that you have done that so wonderfully here with such an, obviously an open group of people who are diverse and who are global, like this is a special task force. And so go forth and multiply. Thank you, Sean. That was excellent. And just a quick reminder, go check out Sean's book, The Game of Desire, Five Surprising Secrets to Dating with Dominance and Getting What You Want. We'll find it on Amazon. And Sean, how can we follow you on Instagram? I am Shan Booty. That's Booty with a D. That's a play on my last name, Boudram, not my anatomy, unfortunately. But hey, maybe in the next life. <laughs> S-H-A-N-B-O-O-D-Y. And Shan's website is shanboodram.com. S-H-A-N-B-O-O-D-R-A-M.com. Thank you, Shan. Thank you so much. This is a joy. Thank you to the Mind Valley community for having me as well, too. This was a great start to my day. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.